It's the first Monday of the month, and it is our question and answer show. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 291. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. If it's your first time tuning in, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. Once a month, the first Monday of the month, in fact, we open up our lines to connect with our audience and to hear from you of what is top of mind for you around leadership. And you can send in your questions uh, for future Q&A shows at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. That's the best way for them to get considered. I am here with my almost always co-host, Bonnie Stahoviak, who is friendly and feisty as always, and will have lots for us as far as uh, leadership wisdom, Bonnie, as you do every month. I'm not thinking the listeners necessarily know that I'm feisty unless you tell them, but maybe they do. Maybe I'm just kidding myself. I think I think it's uh, I think it's probably a known quantity mm. at this point. I am so grateful to all of you who have written in to just tell us that you enjoy our banter back and forth. And also that a few of you have even said that you sort of wish we did some kind of a marriage podcast, which, gosh, if we had room for another podcast, I'd bring back our tech couple podcast. But that's a story for another day. But Dave and I don't get competitive really about hardly anything. But I've just got one thing going on these days, Dave. Oh, is this the thing you were telling me about? The social media stuff? Yes. Uh, Dave pretty much is going to, if it's in, if it is a competition, he's going to win in every area like email subscribers and podcast listeners and all that. And I just want one thing. I just want one thing. I want to master Twitter. I want to, I want to be the winner of the Twitter race. (laughs) I was going to use that (laughs) word, but I, I chose not to, but you just put it right out there. So yes, if anyone listening and actually, I think technically you have to put it in the show notes if I mention it. So I am B O N and I. 208. I would love to be connected on Twitter and I find such value out of it as a service. And so, yeah, we could be connected. And I don't think that Dave's Twitter account is available anywhere. So yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't follow both of us because that's going to ruin it. Just, just me. B-O-N-N-I 208. It has to go in the show notes. It's in the rule book somewhere. This is also a good point to uh, bring up the fact that uh, you are a Bonnie without an E. Yes, I am a Bonnie without any. Just one more reason to get a little little bit of feistiness behind you there. Huh? Yes, but Anything's I but enough about me and enough about Dave. <laughs> I know we have a question from Elizabeth and we should get started. We do. We've got lots of good questions today. The first one is from Elizabeth and she asks, in your experience, what are some of the best practices for keeping team goals front and center? Each she says each year our group gets together and does a stop start continue exercise that is the first step in studying our setting our smart goals for the new year. However, we always struggle with how to best record these SMART goals and then how to display them in a common visible location, which would keep them front and center and make us more accountable in getting them done. I'm curious what others in your community of leaders have found to be helpful in this matter. Elizabeth, thank you for your question. This is such an important thing to be thinking about, especially if you're going to spend the time to set goals. If we don't follow up on them, as you clearly already know, they really lose their value. In fact, I think it almost has an inverse relationship if we don't end up following up on them. You mentioned one key factor in following up and being accountable to goals, and that is the visibility of the me- measurement of our goals. And just like even people talk about, you know, putting things on magnets on their refrigerators. And I get so sad because when I was a kid, you actually could put magnets on your refrigerator. 
I've not been able to have a magnet on my refrigerator in decades, and it makes me super sad. Why did they do that to our refrigerator? But that <laughs> was another story for another day. Because that was such a visible place where you see it multiple times a day. But even those kinds of messaging things in a work environment or at home, it's almost though if they're there and still visible, we forget about them. Mm. So we need to have that visibility, yes, but we also need to have it incorporated into other aspects and what I call more the rhythms of a business. So I can't just have it on my my office fridge, if you will, <laughs> but I also need to be bringing it into team meetings that we're having on a regular basis. One of the practices I find especially helpful is to translate those goals into something that is measurable. Of course, SMART goals are, are always measurable. And then to have that captured somewhere in what is often called a dashboard. Dashboards can be analog, so you could have you know them posted up on bulletin boards and have them printed out for, for various meetings, but they also can be digital. And if you just do a quick Google search for digital dashboards, you'll find a lot of tools to help you do that. And you can have even websites where you keep track of your digital dashboard on the website. Some companies will then have a monitor somewhere or even just an iPad that's kind of embedded in a frame of some kind so that that becomes visible of where we are. And a lot of times companies use the symbols of a traffic light on their digital dashboard. So they might have green, things are going great yellow, not so good. And then red, things are really in trouble here. And just as a side note, sometimes when we see red, we instantly want to go and fix that. Oh, this is not working. This is on fire. We got to fix it. However, a lot of times you'll find organizationally that actually that should be something that we look very closely at as perhaps not something we should even have included in our goals anymore, unless it's, of course, essential to the company's success. But very wise people have talked about how the hardest decisions we make in business is not what we're going to do, but what we're not going to do. And sometimes these dashboards, if we revisit them regularly, we're having these kinds of tough, really important conversations, we can really revisit our goals on a more frequent basis. One of the things I know that Dave has been doing a lot of reading about and implementing in his own life is just to back away a little bit from annual goals. Because my gosh, I mean, we, we're more speaking in personal goals, professional individual goals that get set. But you look at like, the end of your year, how much could you really forecast what was going to be important in December next year when you're in January? I mean, it's just really, really hard to do that versus more, I think that's the 15-week year or something like that, breaking down the year up into smaller goal setting segments. So that's a lot to say, Elizabeth, uh, I would have two overall recommendations for you. One is yes, get that visibility and decide whether or not the visibility should happen digitally, perhaps if that's a good option for you and the culture of your company. And then also think too about the rhythms of the business and how do you get these discussions where this is on the agenda. So we're all going to remember to make sure that we talk about it. I agree with everything Bonnie said, and I think there's also a couple of tactics you can use as a leader to make that real. And to Bonnie's point, just because it's visible doesn't mean that it is part of the daily culture and the conversation that everyone's paying attention to it. And it's easy for something visible to all of a sudden just become blended in with the background with everything else. So I think that if you, one of the things that I've heard from our academy members that has really worked for a number of leaders in the academy is um, having a 
a mantra or a sentence or a phrase that they kind of center the goals around. So there may be, you know, five or six goals or whatever for the whatever time frame it is, but they all are around a central theme. And what they've done is they've created a mantra around that. And they they include it in their email signature. It's part of the tagline even internally for the organization. It's mentioned at every staff meeting. To Bonnie's point, it's part of the rhythm and the culture of the organization. And I think that that is better than trying to get people to like memorize a list of goals or a paragraph mission statement or anything like that, because then that be, just becomes very rote. But if you have something that's very simple, maybe it's three or four or five words or just a short sentence that everyone can latch onto for that that time frame, and that becomes a part of the conversation regularly, I think that can be really powerful. And then to go along with that, to further the thought on visuals, you could even create a graphic or an image or a logo that visualizes what's important for the organization this year, this quarter. And I know some, several of our academy members have done that. And that's a great project for someone in the organization to do, by the way, if who has a talent in that. But even if you don't have someone who's got a talent for that, so many of these uh, services these days for a couple hundred bucks, you can you know design some really beautiful graphics. And I think that that is worth doing for an organization if you've got something that you can visually capture and is is helpful to really say in an image, which sometimes you can't say in words, and just to make that come alive for people. And then uh, to Bonnie's point, uh, the book I have read recently is called The 12-Week Year, and a whole bunch of us in the Academy are using this. And so one of the thoughts I, I was thinking when I was looking at your question was one way to get around the problem with uh, annual goals is to not set annual goals. Is And I don't set annual goals anymore. I have kind of an overall framework for the year. But my goals are now quarterly. And this book, it's the basically the philosophy of you take a quarter, 12 weeks, you set all your goals for that, you work the quarter, and then week 13 is review. This is week 13 for me as I'm recording this. So it's that process of then going back, seeing what you did, and then setting the next 12-week goals. And the advantage of doing that is you've still got a longer time frame to get goals done and make some significant progress. But to Bonnie's point, I don't know what's going to be happening in December 2017 right now. I mean, I guess if you're in an established organization and things have been going kind of the same for the last 10, 15 years, and you know your customers and you're, you know all that's pretty well predicted, I think that's easier. But um, a lot of the organizations I work with these days, you know, it's hard to know what's going to be going on six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months, um, not only in our personal lives, but professionally. And so I've taken a really setting things quarterly, and a lot of the leaders in our academy are doing that now too. And I found that to be much easier to keep things top of mind and to keep things very focused on where they're going. So I'd recommend that book and uh, check that out. I hope one of those ideas is helpful to you. This next question is from Allison. I'm currently a school psychologist working in a public elementary school. I stumbled across coaching for leaders after feeling like I had hit a crossroad in my career. While I've only been a practicing school psychologist for three years, I've quickly become frustrated and impatient with our public education system. Despite these unsettled feelings, I'm confident that my time in schools has helped me develop a number of skills, particularly soft skills that closely parallel those skills needed to be effective in other professions. As a result of listening to your podcast and networking with others in the field, I've become very interested in organizational leadership and development. However, having no experience in business or the corporate world, I'm unsure of where to begin and intimidated by the journey. I relate to so many of the topics you have on your episodes, and while I'm able to make connections between my work and these other career areas, I'm uncertain of appropriate steps to take in initiating a career shift. How would you suggest starting? Are there good books you could recommend that could help build my understanding of business and organizational development? 
Well, thank you so much for this question, Allison. Uh, I'm really fascinated what Bonnie's going to say too, because uh, there's so many different ways we could go with this. So let me first answer your question, and then I'm going to challenge your question, <laughs> if that makes sense. So first, the answer. A couple of resources, and especially a few organizations that would help. Uh, organization Development Network is the organization that I know of. I've not been a member, but I've heard many good things about them over the years. I think that would be a wonderful organization to check out. I know they have a large virtual community online, so check them out for sure. That'd be a good starting point because they'll have places you can connect with locally and virtual forums and all that. The other organization that I would suggest looking at is the Association for Talent Development. And it was formerly the American Society for Training and Development. It's now called ATD, Association for Talent Development. That's a broader organization around talent development. And so there's a lot of umbrellas that that covers as far as training and some HR areas. But what they also, many of the chapters have either an interest group or a number of practitioners who are OD practitioners. And so I think that would also be a great place to look to because ATD has chapters all around the world. And there's probably a chapter that's pretty close to you. So in addition to just all the virtual network, you could probably get to start meeting some people in person who also have a passion for this as well, too. And then another organization that I'll mention is the International Coach Federation, which is a great organization as a starting point for people who are interested in doing professional coaching, who want to work with leaders or work with business leaders to develop an expertise in coaching. And so the reason I'm mentioning that third one actually comes in a little bit of your question. You mentioned being a psychologist. And psychology and coaching, of course, are not the same things, but they are kind of under that, kind of in the same general field. And so while there's distinctions, um, I do know many people who have been psychologists who have moved into coaching um, and vice versa. So I think that there's some connections there and that would make be an organization that'd be really helpful to you. Um, the reason I was thinking about that too is you may also want to think about a profession or doing work as a coach as opposed to as an OD professional. And the reason I say that is because I was thinking back, I was thinking of your question, I was thinking back when I was in school getting my business degree, You know, I had to take a class on microeconomics and I had to take a class on macroeconomics. For those of you who aren't familiar with econ classes, microeconomics is a study of an individual firm, uh, an individual organization and how they make decisions with scarce resources, which of course is what economics is. Macroeconomics is looking at the entire economy. I say that in the in the terms of your question because you mentioned how much you like the show and a lot of the topics that are on the show, and I don't see a lot of the topics on the show as being what I would consider to be OD topics because a lot of the things that OD professionals do, are doing are kind of the macro leadership things. They are looking at employee engagement surveys. They're putting together strategy for training and development. They're looking at the big macro things in, in medium to large size organizations. So most OD professionals are people who are working for fairly large organizations, and they're doing things that are tend to be more at the macro level. I see this show more of kind of like the at the micro level of what do you, what are you doing and what can you use as an individual leader. And so the reason I mention that is because if this if the topics on the show are really resonating with you pretty regularly, that may be the kind of thing where coaching or even going into an organization and being a leader yourself maybe of more interest to you. So I would explore both just so you get a sense of you can go talk to some of the folks in some of these organizations. You can kind of get a sense for what they do, what their activities are, um, what's really exciting to you, what's fun to you, and where you want to go as far as the next step in your career. And I think there's a lot of things you could uh, you could potentially do with that. I also have a couple book recommendations for you too. If you are 
definitely interested in kind of the more the OD route, I would recommend a book Bonnie and I both studied when we were in school uh, called Reframing Organizations. It's in its fifth edition. Bowman and Deal are the authors of that. That's a good, it's a it's very much a textbook, but it's very good as far as an overall framework for organizational development and behavior in especially larger organizations. I'd also recommend a book that's difficult, but is powerful, Organizational Culture and Leadership by Edgar Schein. It's in its fourth edition. Very powerful book. It'll take you a bit to get through it, but um, it'll help you to really see and understand more the complexity of culture and organizations. And then finally, I'd recommend The Fifth Discipline by Peter Senge. Also not an easy read, but you'll never look at an organization the same way after reading The Fifth Discipline. It really is, I think, a masterful book at helping to illuminate the complexity in organizational behavior and organization design and how organizations become learning organizations. And it's a book that is a seminal book um, in the OD field. So curious what Bonnie thinks as well, too. Do you, Are you into my micro macro way of looking at this? Hmm, I hadn't thought about it, but it was interesting to hear. I thought when you said you were going to push back, you were going to push back in terms of just does taking yourself outside of your current situation solve the problem. And of course, Dave and I don't really know that because it's hard to know if it's just a cultural thing within the specific situation that you're in that could be remedied because I don't know enough from your question. I, I read recently a book called Literally Unbelievable. And it is Bronwyn, I believe her last name is Harris, and she shares stories about teaching in inner city Oakland, California. And she is no longer teaching hashtag spoiler alert. Sorry, but she's uh, not teaching, but she tells just these devastating stories of these students. And that just ultimately, I can't even do it justice. It's a wonderful book, but ultimately for her own mental and physical health, she needed to do something else and couldn't be in the system that just, it seemed like she was just a cog in the wheel. You know, it wasn't able to, to see the meaning and, the progress in her work. So it's hard to know as I'm reading this, if, if that's the kind of situation or one of the other things that really comes up in the literature around this is just how much a leader makes a difference. And what's hard to know is if you were in a different school with a really good leader, could your entire career be transformed? And so that's really hard for me to tell too. So anyway, I thought that's where you were going to push back on. So the, another, no, but it's a great thought. I'm glad you mentioned that because a leader makes such a difference. I mean, you can do literally the same job. You go to a different place with, I mean, so many of our audience knows this, but it's so, so impactful. Another area that you could explore is industrial psychology, which is very, very close to OD, but you already would have probably taken many of the courses. They may not transfer because it might be too different of a context, but you at least would be familiar with some of the psychology uh, researchers, experts, human development models, you know, that that kind of thing that might make that an interesting area for you to explore. Industrial psychology is this area where you can take some of the psychology pieces that you that you learned in your past degrees and just be able to apply it in a different context. So that might be something worth looking at as well. I will say, Allison, I'm so proud of you, though, just for exploring these questions and really digging deep and then reaching out to ask for for help because it's it's really kind of a miserable experience to not really be happy with what you're doing for years on end. Yeah. And you've been at it for three years. If you, if you were asking this question at year one, 
my answer would have been totally different. But you know, you're three, you probably know a lot. It's unclear to me if you switched schools at all in that time. But I mean, that would be one other question, like I mentioned earlier, but best wishes as you pursue this, Dave, and I would love to hear from you and let us know how it's going. Yeah, please do. And uh, for those listening who aren't already aware, you know, one of the things that Allison brings up in her question is some of the other topics on the show. And if you haven't already, uh, you can set up your free membership for Coaching for Leaders by going to the coachingforleaders.com website. And one of the things that gets you access to is pretty immediate access to the library of, of, of shows that we've had in the past. And so you can search all of those show topics by topic and get into uh, the library there and search for things like feedback. Uh, there is a there is actually a tag for organizational behavior, organizational development. I can't remember which one. So you can find all the past shows on that. So if you haven't already set that up, I'm sure you have, Allison, but if uh, other folks haven't set that up, go to coachingforleaders.com. You'll be able to set that up. In addition, you'll get access to the weekly leadership guide. You'll get access to the member cast, which come out monthly with even more information and uh, and some of the voices from our community. So again, coachingforleaders.com to get access to that. So let's go ahead and jump over to our next question here. This question is from Joel. I run a martial arts school. I'm at the point where I need and want to develop the next round of leaders of instructors at my school to help individuals become solid leaders and also build our capacity by developing more instructors. I'm not really sure what the best way would be to develop this leadership team in a structured way. Is there something you can think of that would help with? Thanks for your question, Joel. I'm so glad to see that you paying attention to something like this and just being proactive about developing leaders. The first thing that I would think about doing is developing a list of competencies. And you can look in two places for this. One is the individuals who already are existing leaders who are superior and who you can, who you just kind of love to replicate if that was possible and didn't cause all sorts of issues, a la the movie Multiplicity from the 80s, I believe it was. (laughs) But also look to the leaders that have failed or are unable to produce the kind of results. And so you want to look at both ends of the spectrums and articulate a set of competencies. And once you have competencies, then you can kind of map out a development plan based on those competencies and come up with a list of resources and a methodology for working through and growing in those areas of competence. Joel, I love that as a starting point, what Bonnie just mentioned. And once you're there, then on a practical level, I'd start looking to who you already have in front of you. So when I was was reading your question, I was thinking back to my experience in teaching with the Dale Carnegie organization over the years. For those of you who aren't aware, Carnegie has many, many classes. And at some of the classes, they have people who have graduated from the course come back as a graduate coach or or, um, or course coach, they call it sometimes. And they help out the instructor to instruct the class. And they, you know, they get to go through the class again, um, but they help in a leadership capacity. And I, I had a lot of success over the years in having people who uh, came, became graduate coaches who graduated from the class and then would come back and serve as like an assistant coach or assistant instructor. And then a number of people who would go on to then go through the instructor development path. In fact, that's one of the most popular ways at Carnegie that people go into the instructor development path. And it's not necessarily the goal of having graduate coaches in the class, but it's a nice outcome of it is that people a lot of times will get really excited about it and then move forward on it. And I was thinking about, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of your business, of course, but you have a lot of students in front of you every single day. One of the things that I was always really conscious of whenever I would be teaching a class for Carnegie 
is I would, you know, pretty early on, you kind of get a sense of who's really excited to be there, like who's kind of your star students. And I, I bet you have two or three of those in every room, um, in every, every class you guys hold. I would be very intentional early on when I was teaching classes to make really strong connections with those two to three or four people in each classroom. And I would often thank them for their engagement in the class. If they had done something in particular that had been uh, shown leadership in the class, I'd often point that out to them. And then I'd ask them if they'd like to do a little bit more. And I would often have them taking on a leadership role within the classroom. And even as they were in the class of helping me out, helping me with exercises, helping to coach some of the other participants. And I, I just... For me, I didn't want to necessarily wait for an official like, okay, you are an instructor or you are a coach or whatever label we necessarily put on people is I would just, if someone was ready for that, I would ask them if they were willing. And what I found over time is that I would get coaches and classes. I would get people who really engaged to be there and I would get people who were doing a lot more sometimes than um, any other coaches we'd have in the organization just because I started asking them to help out. And so I think that this is possible for you as well, too, with the students you have in your classes, the people who show up who are really engaged, of, of, uh, of noticing that, of thanking them, of engaging with them, of building a relationship with them, and then potentially asking them to help out to uh, model some of the exercises. And this is, of course, very much a part of the way that m- most martial arts are taught. Um, but I think you could take a step further and ask to ask them to help out in a leadership capacity. And that does, that does two things for you and them. It, one, it gives you a sense of, uh, of uh, are they good at that? Are they good at leading others? Are they good at teaching? Are they good at coaching? Do they have the competencies that Bonnie was talking about that you've already thought through and identified? But then it also does a second thing, which is it, it gives them a sense of if it's something they'd like. Because I've had many people over the years who would have never thought about being an instructor or coach, but all of a sudden they get an opportunity to do it a little bit. And they've done that a few times in a class and they go, oh, wow, this is great. I would really like to be an instructor part-time or I'd really like to look for more opportunities to do this. And so you give them a chance as well to take on the leadership role and then to decide if that's something that's going to be a good fit for them. And I think you could potentially develop your instructor team just with the people you already have in front of you in the organization, amongst your students, amongst the people who are already instructors. If you look for the opportunity in every class and every interaction to um, give people a chance to teach, to learn about them, to find out their um, their excitement about it, I think the I think you could potentially do a lot with that. So uh, so good luck with that, Joel. Uh, let us know what you do, and if you decide to uh, take our advice. The next question is from Phil. I've been listening to the show for just over a year now, and I have found it to be incredibly helpful for my own nascent leadership career. I find I use a number of the tips that you and your guests share. Michael Bungay Stanier's recent one on the key coaching questions was really helpful. I've learned about a number of other great leadership and management podcasts from your show, mostly through the other shows that you've been on the look and sound of leadership, etc. But I find myself frustrated in actually finding a good list of what podcasts are out there. iTunes top lists are hard to sift through and the business categories often talk more about, well, business and then leadership. I'm wondering if you have a list of your favorite podcasts that you'd be willing to share. Phil, thanks so much for the question. I have found the same challenge in working through the iTunes catalog. And a part of the reason for the challenge is I was thinking about your question, and 
there's not a lot of shows that are purely leadership shows. Like you say, there's many business shows. There's a lot of online entrepreneurial shows that, and there's certainly many shows that talk about leadership, but as the focus point, that's one of the reasons I've listened to Tom Henschel's show over the years. You mentioned the look and sound of leadership. That was one of the only shows I could find early on, even before this podcast started that um, I found was really helpful around leadership and executive leadership. This show, of course, is focused on that. I'm kind of drawing a blank on other shows that I could recommend that were purely focused on leadership. And I know they're out there, but I actually don't listen to really any other leadership podcasts other than Tom's show and this show. And it's not because I know everything there is to know about leadership, far from it. You know, a couple of practical reasons. Um, one is, you know, hosting a show on leadership, uh, I find there's so much from the guests that come on this show and from what Tom says in his show that I am already like, I have more than I could ever take away as far as doing and implementing in my own practice. And then the other reason too is, you know, a lot of times when I'm listening, I kind of want to listen to something else uh, because I think about, you know, leadership and leadership podcasts all day long, of course. So I don't, I don't know if I have one that I could recommend to you that isn't things you already mentioned. What I can do is share with you just what I'm listening to right now. That's some of them are business related. Some of them are not, but just you have a sense of what I'm listening to. I always listen to this show, which may sound weird, but you know, there's so much that I don't hear from guests. And there's times that when I listen, I hear tons that I didn't hear when I was in the midst of the interview. So I always listen to this show. Um, I always listen to Tom's show, The uh, Look and Sound of Leadership, of course. Right now, I'm listening to a few other things. I'm listening to a show called Better Off with Jill Schlesinger, which is about personal finance, which I found to be really cool. And I listened to a show called Free Agents, which is uh, a bit about running your own business, uh, you know, if you're running a, a very, especially a very small firm that I like a lot. I have on here also my friend Beth Bilo has the Introvert Entrepreneur podcast, which uh, I enjoy listening to. And my friend Beth and I are in a mastermind group together. So uh, I've been on her show. She's been on this one. And uh, the Mac Power users, I listen to every week because I'm a Mac geek. And so I always uh, I love listening. That's my, that's my fun show for the week. I don't listen to this daily, but Marketplace with Kai Rizdahl has been my go-to business show over the years. It's a 30-minute daily business show put out by American Public Media. Very good show. I, I think most leaders should probably be listening to that show, at least occasionally, because it gives you a sense of what's going on in the business world and the broader economy. Speaking of macroeconomics, like we were talking about earlier. The Smart Business Revolution podcast, my friend John Corcoran, who's been on the show many times. Um, this is a show that's more for entrepreneurs, but John has the best guests on. He gets all kinds of diverse guests on and who just have all kinds of wisdom on different things. I really recommend that show if you're, if you're interested in entrepreneurship or running a small business. The Smart Business Revolution podcast would be a good one. And I listen to Teaching in Higher Ed every week, of course, Bonnie. And what else? Unemployable with Brian Clark. And I think that's probably the big ones that I listen to regularly. Bonnie, you just did a post on podcast, actually, which we could probably refer people to. I have a strength of finding podcasts and then not finding enough time to listen to them. And so, yes, I did <laughs> not only write a post about what I'm listening to, but linked to a guy named Brian Alexander, who, like me, listens to quite an eclectic mix of podcasts. So I linked to his post in my post, which we will put in the show notes. And it was fun to just get a look at his list. And both he and I have been tracking what we're listening to over a number of years. So we also linked to some of our older posts so you can see what was I listening to in 2014 and then how has that list changed. And one of the things he inspired me to do this time was to categorize it so you could skip past all the ones that are about teaching in higher ed if that's not an area that 
is worth exploring and go down to the shows that stretch my mind category and scroll down to business and management podcasts and get a little bit of a sense there. And then geeky podcasts. Dave mentioned already the Mac power users. I also love reply all super fun geeky podcast. And then a new one I'm listening to now from YNYC is called Note to Self. And one of the big things about Note to Self that I have found intriguing and need to follow up on is their big push toward privacy and trying to help us all become better equipped to address our own privacy concerns that we don't even realize we should have, but actually should have. And so, yeah, and they have a whole thing where you can sign up for their tutorials that kind of walk you through addressing different aspects of your own personal privacy involving your digital life that you might not have thought of before. So that's a really fun one. And then one of the things that Dave and I are finding increasingly important in terms of our own values are listening to things that allow us to be better in community with others. And part of that means listening to podcasts from people that are very different from us. And so that's been something I've been interested in doing. And just one of note from NPR is called Code Switch. And that is uh, one that they, they give the example, ever find yourself in a conversation about race and identity where you just get stuck, code switch can help. We're all journalists of color, and this isn't just the work we do, it's the lives we lead. Sometimes we'll make you laugh, other times you'll get uncomfortable, but we'll always be unflinchingly honest and empathetic. Come mix it up with us. So yeah, and then uh, one other just of note before I close off with my list and just encourage you to check out the post is I love the podcast called On Being with Krista Tippett. And I say in my post that when I listened to On Being, I feel like I'm being healed in small ways. Based on others' reactions to the show, I'm not alone in believing we're all being healed collectively when we listen together in community. And she talks to people from all different kinds of backgrounds and all different kinds of spiritual beliefs and just from all walks of life and poets and musicians and pastors and rabbi. I mean, just just a whole eclectic mix of people, but just what does it mean to be? And it's just a wonderfully produced show. And um, I really, really enjoy the diversity of guests. Well, thanks for mentioning all those. And your your comments made me think, um, when we're thinking about leadership so specifically, one of the other things that for me, I think is something that strikes me whenever I see the lists of leadership podcasts or top leadership shows. In fact, I was looking at iTunes, thinking about your uh, your question, Phil. I was looking at iTunes and the top, I ran the top 100 business podcasts in iTunes. And you have to get, Bonnie, to probably, I think it was 28, 29, or 30 until you get to a show that's primarily hosted by a woman. I mean, the rest of them are either dual hosts or it's mostly men. Mm-hmm. And you look at some of the top leadership podcasts, articles, lists of podcasts, a lot of the lists are men or mostly men. We have a huge opportunity for more strong female voices, especially running leadership podcasts. And I'm just kind of putting that out there. I don't have an answer to this. I'm part of the problem, but there's, I think there, there's a, there's an opportunity. You should start a podcast, Bonnie, on speaking of new podcasts. And we'll know that the sign is that I should do that because I double my followers from this <laughs> very episode. It's possible. <laughs> Men and women, children who are listening, it is possible I could double my Twitter followers just by you right now going to twitter.com slash B-O-N-N-I without N-E-208 and hitting that follow button. And that would be our sign that I should start my own leadership podcast. 
people always uh, say on the show, the listeners, they say they really like there's never a sales pitch on the show. So now, <laughs> now you'll this know. This is your sales this pitch. Your sales pitch. I make one penny for each follower on Twitter. No, I do not. <laughs> Ridiculous. No, I do not. It's just my one thing you can give me. From, we need we need more female voices in podcasting in general. We need, I, I guess this is just reflective of the business environment. It still is in 2017, Bonnie. But so I have a job to help support those. So so those folks out there. So maybe someone's listening and thinking about things. Shoot me a message. Love to chat with you. Our producer, Andrew, has done a great job, as always, of capturing the notes and links for everything we mentioned in today's episode. You can get to that by going to coachingforleaders.com slash 291. That's also the place to add in your comments as well. Perhaps there's something that uh, you think we missed in our responses, or maybe there's somewhere you disagree with us and uh, have a different opinion. Coachingforleaders.com slash 291 is a great way to add in uh, your voice into the conversation as well. And of course, if you're already a free member and and get the weekly leadership guide. You can just wait till it shows up in your inbox uh, this coming Wednesday. All the show notes are always included with the weekly leadership guide, as well as a number of other resources I've tracked down during the week that I think will be of value to you. And I mentioned earlier how to sign up for that uh, the free membership. Just go to coachingforleaders.com. That'll get you access to all of that. It'll also get you access to the entire podcast library. And one of our past episodes that may be of value to you, especially if you are thinking about organization development, or if you're just thinking about how to lead through change, is episode number 224. I had Jacqueline Farrington on the show, and we had a discussion about how to lead through uncertainty and change. We talked about a number of principles in that episode, and we talked about some of the organizational development theories that are out there. So I'd certainly encourage that as a listen if you have an interest in OD, um, even probably more specifically, if you're leaning through uncertainty and change or about to right now, and who isn't these days? Episode 224 is a really valuable listen for that. Also, a couple of member casts I'm going to recommend uh, based on the questions that came in today. Um, you have access to the member cast. If you're already a free member, just log into the dashboard on the website at coachingforleaders.com and you'll see a button for a member cast. Again, if you're not a member, you can sign up for free at the website. And when you get in there, member cast number four is titled How to Create a Team Vision. That is based on a lesson I aired a couple of months ago on how to create a shared vision for your organization. It relates back to that first question that Elizabeth asked about how do you keep those goals front and center? Uh, if you're not even at that point yet of thinking like, well, how do I create a vision or start to put those goals in, in place in the first place? Uh, Membercast number four is about a 20-minute lesson on how to start that, not only tactically, but even more importantly, philosophically of how to really approach that mindset of how you want to engage people and begin to create a shared vision in your organization. So again, Membercast 4 is the great way to uh, to do that. And then also Membercast number 5, I aired a Membercast on the value of coaching certifications. Now, I think for most of uh, our listeners, this probably isn't going to be an episode that's going to be of interest because most of our listeners are not professional coaches, and I don't uh, typically talk a lot about the professional coaching industry on the show. That said, there are certainly a number of coaches who do listen to the show, and I get uh, fairly regularly the question of what's the value of coaching certifications. I decided just to go ahead and air a member cast on it just for my perspective of what I think about it. If that's of interest to you and you are a coach or maybe you're thinking about becoming a coach, member cast number five, the value of coaching certifications, I think will at least give you my perspective on it. And there's lots of perspectives out there, but uh, it's just one way of looking at it. And I try to look at both sides uh, for those of you who are considering that. 
uh, as a possibility. So check those out. And again, you can access to all of our our standard episodes just by going to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. And the member cast, as I mentioned, you can access if you have a free membership on the website. You can set that up uh, just a few moments at coachingforleaders.com. And next episode, I am glad to be welcoming Teresa Shaheen to the show. She is going to join me next week to help us all discover how to solve really big problems. She is an expert in social entrepreneurship. And even though this isn't a show about entrepreneurship per se, entrepreneurs are masterful at solving problems, listening well, and helping people to do things better. And she's going to teach us some of those tactics and how we can approach that in our organization. So don't miss it. Uh, Thank you also this week to Kirk up in Canada for the very kind review on iTunes. Actually, a repeat uh, review. He updated his review previously. Kirk has been listening to the show from the very beginning. Kirk, thank you so much. I'm honored. I really appreciate your dedication to listening to the show. Hey, if you'd like to leave a rating or review as well, go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. Have a great week and see you next week to talk about how to solve really big problems. <laughs>